you have your Bible or your device, I want you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Now, um, I don't want to ruin a serious moment, but I want to tell you something um, about me. I'm a fidgeter. And um, I don't know if you know a fidgeter or if you are a fidgeter, but I'm one of those people that I just can't stop moving. And when I get to moving, I'll tap and I touch and I mess with things and I'll start to dance and sway. And it's almost like there's a song going on inside of me and I just start to respond to that song just depending on what's happening that day. And so uh, I, I also find that I'm attracted to shiny objects. And uh, so if, if I get to something that, you know, just uh, attracts my attention, I, I'm going for it. I just got to go for it. I got to go, go check it out. And it's gotten so bad that Lindsay has started to anticipate when I'm going to have a moment like that. And she'll just run over and try to distract me and reel me back in. <laughs> um, I was thinking about, you know, this time when I was 16 years old and I was walking through the mall with some friends and and uh, they were not really into music or anything at that time. They were soccer players, I think. And they, you know, were there. And uh, we were going through the mall. And I passed the Baldwin Piano Store up there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I saw this big, black, shiny, grand piano sitting in the storefront. And had to walk in and just begin to play. I just couldn't help myself. But those guys being soccer players, they weren't really that interested in um, standing there while I played music. Um, so, uh, you know, it was, it was just, I just thought, well, I got to get out of here. And so I turn around and um, now you got to remember they're, they're kind of like the cooler kids, you know, and, and they're uh, dressed in the soccer attire. They've got the long black socks on those ugly sandals that really to me are like some kind of a modified house slipper. I don't really understand, but it's always soccer players. It seems like um, that wear those and they've got the swishy shorts on. Well, then there's me. And I'm tall and overweight, uh, and I've got about a pint of white rain ultimate hold hairspray in my hair. It's combed over, you know, because back then all I want to do is be, a, you know, be like a pastor or whatever. And, um, and I've got a button-up shirt on and carpenter jeans. Well, if you don't know, carpenter jeans are those ones with the little fabric hook on them, right? And they, uh, you know, I don't know why the hook's even there because I'm not a carpenter. But that's what makes them carpenter jeans. So I'm playing this piano, and I realize i got to get out of there. I turn around, and I catch this fabric hook on the side of another piano in that store. And the force of me bounding through that store and that fabric hook catching on that piano, those pants just couldn't take it anymore. And they just blew up, and that leg came right off the pants. And uh, there I am, me, the soccer players, everybody in the mall, and we are several minutes walk away from the car. Oh, that is the price that you pay for being a fidgeter. <laughs> but I, I, I'm sorry to say I didn't learn my lesson because just a few years later, when I took my first position as a worship pastor in Cincinnati, Ohio, I uh, was, was working on a renovation, kind of like we did here, and my coworkers and I went up to check out what was going on in the sanctuary. And I'm up there talking to the contractor and the youth pastor. You know, these are serious people. And I'm just standing there. I don't really understand what they're talking about because uh, my buddy Shane out here knows I don't know anything about tools. I, I know how to make a good mess. But I'm just standing there listening. 
And, um, and I'm dancing like this, just swaying and moving. And turns out there was a hole right near where I'm, I'm moving. And later, security footage would reveal that I was dancing in front of this hole and behind it and to the right and to the left. And boom, I fell right in that hole. My right leg went in that hole. My left leg went straight up like I was doing the splits. And the initial shock of everybody, just the room was silent. And I think after about 10 minutes when the shock was gone, uh, they decided they would help me up after we'd all had a good laugh. And, um, you know, so I am a fidgeter, and that's just the kind of stuff I get myself into. And you say, well, what did that have to do with the message? Honestly, nothing really. (laughs) But it's just fun to tell those stories, and it kind of lets you know a little bit about me. And so I hope that you enjoyed it. But here we go. This is um, uh, a message that I'm excited to share with you. And so um, I want to just go ahead and dig into the text. But, you know, for the last several weeks, we've been using the Apostles' Creed as a guide through the essential doctrines of Christianity. And if you've been on vacation or if you're just visiting today, you may not know this, but the Apostles' Creed is basically just a short statement of beliefs used by the early church so they could quickly and simply articulate what they believed from memory. Nothing in the creed is particularly controversial, and everything expressed in the creed is generally accepted by the church at large. So last week, Pastor Evan talked about the importance of unity in the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. It was a great message. Two weeks ago, I preached on the judgment. Dun, dun, dun. Boy. It was, it was something. But um, before that, we talked about God as the creator. Um, we learned about the incarnation. We heard about the crucifixion. And we talked about the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's been quite a journey. Our desire throughout the series has really been to help you better understand the widely recognized doctrines of the Christian faith. It is more important than ever before that followers of Jesus develop a knowledge of and a confidence in our faith and that we're able to articulate our beliefs and stand by what we believe. Amen? Amen. So today is the final day of our series. So let's say this part of the creed together. We believe the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Um, so let's go ahead and look at that passage in first Thessalonians chapter four, beginning in in verse 13, I do not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. 
Isn't that awesome? Great passage of Scripture. But, you know, I've been studying this passage of Scripture for weeks. I've read it probably a hundred times or more, maybe more, in probably half a dozen translations. And I promise you, it did not dawn on me that I was reading the description of what we know as the rapture. Isn't that something? I actually feel a little embarrassed today because I'm not kidding. I Honestly, I've spent so much time worrying about how I was going to preach the resurrection of the body and eternal life that I didn't even think. It just didn't click. It's just one of those things. I didn't think about it being the rapture. But that's what this whole passage is about. It's called the rapture. And when I realized I was reading about the rapture, and then I realized I would be preaching about the rapture, I was immediately struck by the vivid memory of my elementary school days, you know, sitting in Wednesday night boys club, eating those off-brand oatmeal cookies, the ones with the hard plasticky icing on them, drinking fruit punch, and watching the, uh, the movie about the rapture. And I remember thinking, I don't want to be left behind. But today I want to talk to you about the rapture. And as we dig into the scriptures, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us this morning. Amen? Now, we have people from all different backgrounds at our church, and and I'm cognizant of that. So I realize there's some of you that are probably thinking, who is this guy? What in the world is the Apostles' Creed? And the rapture, what is the rapture? I thought the rapture was a dinosaur on Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) please don't worry. We're going to go through this passage, and I'm going to help you understand exactly what the Bible is saying here. So in this letter to the Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the believers in Thessalonica to encourage them in the Lord and to reassure them of their faith. 1 Thessalonians is one of the earliest New Testament documents that we have. The church was just getting established, and Paul was traveling around from place to place sharing the gospel. And he faced various obstacles on his journey, and he was understandably discouraged at the opposition that he had been facing along the way. However, as one commentator points out, Paul received news of the success of the work that was being done in Thessalonica, and it is out of this sense of relief and reassurance that he writes the letter to the Thessalonians. In this letter, Paul addresses the believers concerning a variety of topics, one of which was the coming of the Lord and the resurrection of the body, what we have come to refer to as the rapture. Verse 13 says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Everybody say, no hope. Yeah, okay. All right. Evidently, the early believers understood the teaching of the coming of the Lord as something that was going to happen at that time, in that day. When some of those early believers began to die, doubt began to creep in concerning the return of Christ. Maybe Jesus is not coming back. Or worse, maybe those who die will miss his return. I think there was confusion about the return of Christ in those days. 
And I believe there is confusion about the return of Christ in our day as well. So Paul aims to clarify the truth when he addresses this church, saying he does not want them to be uninformed about those who have died. Paul uses the term fallen asleep in reference to the dead as a way to help the believers understand that while the body is at rest, the spirit is with the Lord. Now we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? Therefore, we do not grieve as others. And by others, Paul is talking about unbelievers who have no hope. Paul draws a distinction between believers and unbelievers. But I want to tell you something today. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have hope. Amen? Come on, can we give the Lord praise? You have hope. Wow. Paul continues in verses 14 and 15 and says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. We have hope today that when our loved ones who are believers die, they are not dead as unbelievers understand death. Their bodies are asleep, but their spirits are with the Lord. And, uh, you know, I, I hesitate to go off the cuff here, but um, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because I've just got all this information rolling around in my head. So I better stay with what I know. Otherwise, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> but that's not the end of the story. In verse 16 through 17, we read, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's the rapture. Jesus Christ is coming back. And when he comes, there's going to be a resurrection of the body. Those who are asleep in Christ and we are going to be caught up in the clouds to meet them together in the air. And, and, and we're going to get to the rest here in just a minute. Here's the other truth about this passage. Jesus is coming back. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is coming back. And when he comes, he is coming for those who have fallen asleep. And he is coming for those who are alive and remain at the time of his coming. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, whatever the preacher would talk about Jesus coming back, people would get scared. And there wasn't a single one of us, and if somebody says they didn't feel this way, they probably are lying, that didn't wake up to a quiet house one morning and think, oh, no, I've missed it. I've missed it. The Lord came back. Just to walk out into the hallway and see somebody else and think, I'm safe. I'm safe for now. <laughs> Unless that person wasn't right, and I guess then you've got a problem. <laughs> but you know, really, no man knows the day or the hour at which Jesus will come back. 
But we do know that this is when the resurrection of the body will take place. Paul writes, the dead in Christ will rise first. As I was reading this passage, I thought, why did he emphasize that the dead in Christ will rise first? Why couldn't he just say, Jesus is going to come back, the dead in Christ will rise, we who are alive and remain, you know. But he emphasizes the dead in Christ will rise first. And I wrote a little note, and I don't know if this is true, this is me, just theorizing that maybe he said the dead in Christ will rise first because they were worried about what was going to happen to their loved ones, as any of us would be. They were worried. But he says the dead in Christ will rise first, and, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet him in the air. Uh, when that trumpet sounds, those who have been asleep are going to come up out of the grave, and they are going to be reunited with their spirit and they will assume a glorified body. Then whoever is alive at the time of Christ's return will be changed. And they will be glorified and we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Isn't that exciting? Man, that just, oh, just gets me charged up. Gets me fired up this morning. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. It were, if it were not true, I would have told you so. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'll be honest, I'm concerned today. I'm worried that we as believers have lost the anticipation of the coming of the Lord. When I was growing up and they preached about the coming of the Lord, all of us started thinking about the stuff that we wanted to accomplish before Jesus came back. Does anybody remember that? <laughs> you, I remember saying, oh, you know, some people would say, well, I want to get married before Jesus comes back, or I want to buy a home, or I want to I retire one day and go live at the beach before Jesus comes back. But I am afraid now, I got to be honest, I'm not even sure that people are aware that the Bible teaches that Jesus is going to come back. You ever think about that? There was a day when we used to kind of laugh because people had this big to-do list they wanted to accomplish before Jesus returned. And now, I don't even know that it's even on their radar. Isn't that sad? Now, at times in the past, I think we misused the coming of the Lord to scare people and get them to come to the altar. So I don't think it's a bad thing that we're sharing the gospel in love and preaching a message of encouragement. We need to encourage people. And we need to share the love of Jesus Christ. We've got to do it. But we also need to develop a renewed sense of urgency about the coming of the Lord. The Thessalonians were so concerned about the return of Jesus that they began to get impatient. And the Apostle Paul had to write this letter to assure them that they had not missed anything, and they did not misunderstand anything, but Jesus will return. After verse 17, the passage declares, Thus we shall always be with the Lord. And one translation says, And so we will be with Jesus forever. May I tell you, we are going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ now, this entire passage of Scripture about the resurrection of the body and the coming of the Lord starts off with Paul 
discussing the way believers grieve for the loss of their loved ones versus the way that unbelievers grieve for the loss of their loved ones. And he says that believers have hope because their loved ones are not dead. But I believe the entire message of this passage is hope. Hope in the return of Jesus. Hope in the life we will live with him forever in eternity. Because verse 18 says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. So he lays out the plan and he tells us what's going to happen in, in, the, in the last days. And then he says, encourage one another with these words. Now, some wise person once said that we can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, and about eight minutes without air. Now, I have not met that person, but I'm sure that somebody would be okay without air for eight minutes. But not a single minute without hope. I know I have thrown a lot of deeply theological things at you, and I'll admit when I signed on to be a part of this series, um, I understood the need for the series. And I kind of was one of the, the, I was sort of the, the, the co-thrust behind the series. And I understood the goal of the series, but I didn't understand how much I needed this series. Because I have been stretched these last several weeks as I have learned about the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. And when I began to prepare to talk about the rapture, I got a little overwhelmed, I'll be honest. Um, I, I don't really feel qualified to talk about the rapture. To me, it just always seemed so, hmm, just so theological and just so, you know, just, I don't know, scary. <laughs> and, and so I don't consider myself a theologian uh, in the academic sense. I am just a follower of Jesus like you, and I'm doing my best to read and understand the scriptures so that my faith is strengthened just like you. But I must confess, I am worried that we have lost our hope. We, and by we, I mean believers and unbelievers, have come, have become so obsessed with material possessions and earthly achievements that we have become discouraged and beaten down, fearful and even hopeless. But may I tell you, we do not have to live that way. We don't have to live without hope. We have hope, not just in what happens when we die, not just in the resurrection of the body, but we have hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I shared a couple weeks ago when I was preaching about judgment that I believe we need to develop a fresh desire to win the lost for Jesus Christ. And that was a difficult sermon for me to preach because, again, I am the nice guy. I am the guy who wants everybody to get along, and I want everything to just, you know, be harmonious, and I want us to all just agree. But I said two weeks ago the reality is that some people are going to spend eternity in hell. And that couldn't be any more true today than when we are talking about the return of Jesus. The sad truth in all of this is that while believers are assured of the hope we have in the return of Christ 
and eternal life in him, there are those who will be left behind. Church, it is our job, our responsibility, and our commission to reach the lost. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I believe that he even interrupted this service today to tell somebody that he loves you. And he doesn't want you to be lost, but he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants you to be ready for eternity. You see, we have to reach the lost with eternity in mind. We have to tell them that Jesus is coming back and there is hope. We have hope of an eternity spent with Jesus in heaven. And man, that really gets me excited. And let me tell you, heaven is going to be so much better than anything we can imagine here on earth. Heaven is going to be a place where our faith ends in sight. Every step is going to be a thrill and every moment is going to be a jubilee. Every home will be a mansion and every citizen will be a saint. We won't need to buy light bulbs anymore. You won't need your 4D mag light anymore. Because the Bible tells us that we'll have no need of the sun or the moon for the glory of God will illuminate the city and the lamb will be its light. Amen? We're talking about heaven. And that's where we're going to go to spend eternity with Jesus. So, no matter what you face here on earth, you have hope today. Because Jesus is coming back. And we are going to spend eternity with him. Amen? So I don't know if they're listening, but I, uh, if they want to come up and begin to play some music. I want to tell you a personal story, and then I'm going to close. Many of you know, just because you've gotten to know me, that my mom passed away. I've talked about her several times before. Uh, we buried her in 2009. It's been 10 years. But about seven and a half hours from here, in a small cemetery, in a little town of Millville, Ohio, her body is laid to rest. Now, I could walk from the front door of my childhood home and be standing at her graveside in about 10 minutes. And that's the same house where she grew up in. Just down the road from the cemetery is a little convenience mart we used to call the Dew Stop. We used to stop in there and get a Mountain Dew before school. And so we called it the Dew Stop. And many times we loaded up my mom's old van with all of our friends from the neighborhood and our fishing gear. Now there were only four seats in that old van, two in the front and two in the very back. And that middle realm is sort of where everybody just sat <laughs> or laid or whatever. So yeah, there weren't any seatbelts. Sorry, parents. Um, the goal of riding in the van was to avoid the poles that stuck up out of the floor where there used to be seats. We took some vacations in that van and it stayed nice for a couple years in the early 90s until the daily interaction of three rowdy boys <laughs> took its toll. But we would drive out that same old road where the dew stop is 
where the cemetery is. We drive until all you could see was farmland. We turned off that road into another smaller road. And when you were right smack dab in the middle of nowhere, we turned into a, a clearing of trees and spent the day fishing and swimming in the waterfall there. Now we were boys and we got dirty like boys. And we tore things up like boys do, but we didn't bait the fishing hooks. <laughs> Mom did. Mom did that. She actually didn't mind that part. It was when she caught a fish one time that she threw the rod down and screamed. And we said, what'd you do that for? And she said, I didn't expect to catch anything. But we spent many summer nights that way. And I remember driving those old country roads on the Indiana-Ohio border with the windows rolled down, the night air flooding in, listening to music and talking. And we always prodded my mom to tell stories of when she was growing up, what it was like when she lived in Pennsylvania and what it was like when she lived in California. Those were such special times in my life that I'll never forget. You know, even though her spirit is with the Lord today because we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, her body is buried in that grave, in that little town. Yet I live each day with hope because my mom knew the Lord and she was a believer. So I don't grieve for her as the unbelievers grieve because I know that one day the trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise. And then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall be with the Lord forever. So I don't fear what's going to happen to me if I should die before Christ returns because I know that I'm a follower of Jesus. And as we said a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the judgment. I know my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. There's one more thing I want you to know today. If you are not a follower of Jesus, you can accept Jesus Christ today and you can have the same hope we have when we leave this place today. Amen. So I want us to stand together. And I didn't say this in the first service. Uh, and this is just something, to be honest with you, I just don't talk about a whole lot. Um, but I want to bear my heart to you today. Because this is the last opportunity that I will have to share with you. And I believe this, the whole series boils down to this. We want to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. We don't want anybody to go to hell. And we want everybody to be ready for eternity. And High Praises is here to be a light to this community and to the world. And we believe that there is going to be a day when thousands of people are going to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ right here. But when I tell you that we have to develop an urgency to reach the lost. And we have to develop an urgency about the coming of Jesus Christ. I do it very personally because at the same time I'm declaring what I believe and what my mom believed and where I know she is and where we're going to go, I have a brother who's lost and I have a dad who's lost. You know, we can never lose that urgency. We can never stop praying, stop believing, 
that the Lord is going to touch them in his own way and that they're going to receive Jesus Christ and that we're going to see them in that resurrection and that we're going to see them one day in eternity with Jesus. So I hope you will develop that type of burden today as we, as we close this series. I want every person to, uh, to bow your head, close your eyes. And if the prayer team will come, I'm just going to ask you to come right across the front here. We're not going to get in too big of a hurry. The prayer team will come stand right across the front. I want to do two things. First thing I want to do is if you have never had a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're visiting today or you're just here and you want to start that relationship with Jesus Christ today and you want to have hope and you want to be ready to meet Jesus and to spend eternity in heaven with him forever, then I want you right now to just slip up your hand with nobody looking around except for me And I want you to just indicate that you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. Nobody's looking but me. All right, what I'm going to do, we're going to pray here in just a moment. I'm going to ask you that when we dismiss, we begin to worship, that you would just come down and find one of these prayer team members. That you would just let them know about that decision you've made. I want to give one more opportunity. If if you're here today and you're just not sure, you see, we've talked about the rapture, and I talked about times when it used to be scary to talk about the rapture, but that's not the case. You don't have to be scared today. You can make sure that you're ready if Jesus were to return today. So if you just want to be sure that you're ready, if that's you, while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, you know what? I'm saved. I believe in Jesus. But I just want to make sure that I'm ready. If that's you today, I just want you to slip up your hand. All right, and we're here to pray for you as well. So if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Here's what I want to do. I want us to pray together and just believe that God will touch the lost, that he will use us and empower us to reach the lost, and that uh, we will minister to, to thousands of lost people, and that they will become believers in Jesus, ready to meet him in eternity. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this service. I thank you for this time we've had together in worship. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing up and giving us your message of love, giving us your message of of assurance. Lord, we thank you for the promise that Jesus Christ is going to return one day and he's uh, going to just resurrect the the dead who have fallen asleep. Those of us who are alive and remain are going to meet them together in the air we're going to be with Jesus forever and ever for all of eternity. Thank you for that promise today, God. I pray that you'll just continue to move on the hearts of our people. I pray that you will touch those, Lord, who are not saved in our families, our coworkers, our neighborhoods, Lord, our loved ones, people that we care about, God, that you help us to be a light to them. Touch my family, God. I pray that those that are lost in my family, Lord, that you would touch them, that they would, uh, would, would be right with you. They would just accept Jesus and they would enter into that relationship. They would be ready for eternity, Lord. Help us not to lose the urgency to reach the lost. Help us never to lose the urgency of the coming of Jesus Christ. We thank you today, God, and we worship you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise in this place today? Hallelujah.